Thank you, Minoka. Uh, all right. Uh, I have been looking forward to this for a while. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series today, and this series is all about our God-given identity. Uh, who does God say that you are? Such an important question. Who does God say that you are? You know, we wake up every single day, and we go about our daily lives, and the world bombards us with all these different messages about who we are, what our identity is. And I think if we're honest, many of us would say that our fears, our worries, our insecurities bombard us all the time with different messages about our true identity. But, but when we pause, when we peel all of that back, who does God say that we really are. Here's why this matters so much. You know, as Christians, we believe that God created each and every one of us with care and with purpose. And that means that you are not an accident. Your, your parents may have told you you are an accident, hopefully a happy accident. Uh, but, but according to God, you are not an accident. God didn't have to create you. Sometimes we forget this. God chose to create you. God looked at this world and God decided that the world would be better if there was a you in it. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing, I think. And of all the times that, that in all the places that God could have put you here, God chose to put you here, here, and, and now. And here's what all that means. It means that there is a life that God wants for you to live. Jesus calls it abundant life, life to the fullest, the life that you were created for. But here's the problem that we run into. When we're going around in the world and we're living out of a wrong identity, a false understanding of who we really are, it's really hard for us to find that abundant life that God created us for. But the flip side is also true. When we get clear about who God says that we are, then we can step in to that abundant life that we were created for. So that's what we're gonna be talking about in this sermon series. If all of that sounds a little bit abstract, don't worry, we're gonna, we're gonna flesh this out a, a bit. This new sermon series is called I'm New. I'm New. Uh, I'm, I'm New. I'm In. I don't even know the name of the series. I told you I was excited about it. I'm In. Sorry, I'm so excited about it. I couldn't even remember the name of the series. It's called I'm In because we're gonna be talking about four parts of our God-given identity, and each one starts with I'm in. Let me show you what I'm talking about. So today, we're going to be talking about I'm invited. Then we're going to be talking about I'm invaluable next week. Then we're going to talk about I'm influential, and then finally, we're going to wrap up with I'm invested. I'm in. I think wherever you're at in your faith journey, whether you, this is like your first time to ever come to church, and maybe you don't even believe in God at all, or maybe you're a lifelong Christian and you're a devoted follower of Jesus or anything in between. I think you're going to find that this series is so uplifting. It's encouraging. And, and my hope and my prayer is that, at least for some of you, this is going to be life-changing. Uh, you know, we preachers tend to throw that phrase around a lot, but I really mean that. I hope that for some of you, this is going to be life-changing stuff. And so my question for you is, are you in? If you're in, say, I'm in. I'm in. All right. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Okay, let's jump into part one. And uh, before we do that, though, let's take a minute to pray. Would you pray with me? <coughs> oh, Lord God, we thank you again for this time and space that we have to open ourselves to you. And we pray that you would help us with that, God. Come with your Holy Spirit and open our hearts to the words of love and comfort that you have for us today. But God, also open us up to the ways that you're pushing us and, and challenging us 
to grow and to be transformed, Lord. We pray all of this in the name of your Son, who is the living word. Amen. Uh, all right, quick poll here. So uh, raise your hand for just a second. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie Forrest Gump. Raise your hand, put them up, keep them up. Okay, uh, if you're not raising your hand, we're going to send you with some popcorn to go this afternoon, and you need to watch Forrest Gump. You can put your hands down now, yeah. Um, so most of you have seen the movie. I, I bet there's this scene that you remember. Uh, it's early in the movie, and Forrest is still a child. It's his first day of school, and we see Forrest waiting with his mom out in front of their house at the bus stop, and Forrest is looking anxious. And he's got this sense of anticipation. Finally, the bus pulls up. He has this brief exchange with the bus driver. And then Forrest gets on the bus. And I wonder if you remember what happens next. I think it's one of like the most heartbreaking scenes in any movie, personally. Forrest starts walking down the aisle of the bus looking for a place to sit. And even though there's seats available, because Forrest is different, because he doesn't fit in, the kids are just glaring at him, and at seat after seat, they just say, no, seat's taken, seat's taken, seat's taken, you can't sit here. And then finally, Forrest slowly, excruciatingly slowly makes his way all the way to the back of the bus. He gets all the way to the end, and nobody has let him sit down. And he's got this, this pitiful look of rejection on his face and confusion. Honestly, he doesn't even know what to do. Is he going to have to stand up? the whole way to school. Finally, this, this nice girl named Jenny invites him to sit down, and they become best friends. And it kind of works out. That's a spoiler alert. But, um, but, but to me, as, as Forrest is walking down that aisle, it's, it's so powerful. And I bet if you've seen the movie, you remember this, this scene. And, and part of the reason it's so powerful is because I think many of us, on some level, we know what that's like, don't we? All of us have been through a time in our life when we've felt rejected, when we've felt unwelcome, when we've felt unwanted. And many of us would say we still have the scars of that experience, right? Maybe, maybe it was when we were younger, like Forrest Gump. You know, we, we step out into the cafeteria with our lunch tray, and we look around, and there's nobody to sit with. It's painful. Maybe it happened when we were in PE class, and we always got picked last because nobody ever wanted us on their team. Maybe we've experienced this more recent years for, for many of us in our adult life that we, we got let go from a job, or maybe there's a family member who wants nothing to do with us. I was um, talking to a friend of mine recently. He's a single guy, and he was telling me, you know, I, I keep dating, and I keep trying to, to find my person, and I'm, I'm putting myself out there over and over, and he said, it seems like all my friends are finding their person and, and settling down, and every time I meet somebody, it seems like we've got potential. It, it just ends up not working out, and he says, I just have to fight this constant feeling that I'm just unwanted, that it's like part of my identity, unwanted. It's so painful when we experience that this, this feeling in any arena of life, but what I want us to focus on today is that it's, it's especially painful and it's like uniquely painful when we experience that feeling of rejection in the context of church, right, in a, in a place like this. I had this experience in, in college. Some of you may relate to this. Um, one Sunday in college, a friend of mine invited me to go to church with him. And I had grown up in church and uh, was very involved. And, and by the time I was in high school, I started feeling called to, to be a pastor even. 
But uh, my first few years of undergraduate, I, um, I kind of drifted away from the church in that season. I had, you know, moved out of the house and was taking all these classes in philosophy and religion and history, and my worldview was expanding so rapidly, and I was going through a season when I wasn't sure where God fit in, and I had a whole bunch of questions, and I had a whole bunch of doubts, and what I found was that in that season when I would show up to church, a lot of times I would feel so out of place. I would feel like a fraud and an imposter, and it was so uncomfortable, I just, I kind of stopped going. But my friend invited me on this, on this one Sunday, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll go, check it out. So we walk in, it's like this big mega church, so like the band is rocking out, and they've got the laser lights going, it feels like we're in a Star Wars battle or something like that, and, uh, and everybody is singing so passionately, and they're like pouring out their hearts to God, and they seem so full of this faith that I felt like I didn't have at all. And then the pastor gets up to preach, and I know he meant well, but, but his sermon was all about, we need to be true believers. He kept using that phrase. We need to be a church full of true believers. God honors true believers. And I remember just sitting in that room full of people feeling so alone and feeling so unwelcome. And I never went back to that church again, and it was a while before I went back to any church again after that experience. So painful. I know many of you, you've had even more painful experiences at church. Some of you have shared with me that a church you were a part of told you that you don't belong there because of your sexual orientation or because of your gender identity. Or maybe they told you, well, you're welcome to kind of hang around, but you can't really get involved. You can't really be in leadership unless you change that part of who you are. So painful, unspeakably painful. That There may be others of you that you didn't grow up in church it's not super familiar to you, and so anytime you show up in a, a place like this, you, you feel like you don't belong. Everybody else just seems to know things that you don't know and understand things that, that you don't understand. There may be others of you that, kind of like me, you're, you're in a season of questioning, you're in a season of, of doubting, and you feel like you're a fraud in this room full of people who have 100% full belief. It, it can take lots of different forms, right? But when we feel unwanted, rejected, unwelcome, in a church space, it hurts, not just because we feel like we're rejected by people, but a lot of times it can leave us wondering, am I also unwanted by God? Is God rejecting me as well? I don't know if any of that resonates with your experience, but if it does, I'm so glad that you're here today because we're going to talk about this story in Luke chapter 7. And at the heart of this story, there's a woman who went through this exact same experience, and we're going to watch as Jesus responds to her in that moment. And we're going to see what Jesus teaches her about her God-given identity, especially, especially in the face of rejection. Here's kind of how the story unfolds. Luke, who's the, the narrator, he tells us that uh, Jesus on this one evening was at a dinner party. And this is something Jesus did a lot. He was constantly going to dinner parties, getting invited to dinner parties. Sometimes he would crash dinner parties uninvited. Uh, well, he was at this party, and the host of the party is a guy named Simon. And we're told that Simon is a Pharisee, and probably most of the other people at this particular party would have been Pharisees. Pharisees were like the religious elite in that culture. Like today, we would think of them as the, the super churchy people, right? The people who know their Bible cover to cover. They can quote chapter and, and verse to you, and they take so much pride in their obedience to God. And a lot of the Pharisees meant well. They, they were sincere, but just like a lot of super churchy people today, they also had a tendency to be very judgy, 
to be very self-righteous and, and even hypocritical as well. And Jesus would engage with the Pharisees a lot. I think Jesus admired their devotion, but Jesus also had a lot of critiques of the Pharisees as well. So you can sort of picture the scene, this dinner party going on, a lot of well-to-do people there. Jesus is probably engaging with a lot of these folks in some uh, what was apparently friendly theological debate and, and dialogue, and, and so far so good, nice, nice party. But then all of a sudden, this woman bursts into the house. And as soon as the woman enters this space, immediately we can tell that she was not invited, and she is not welcome, and she is not wanted at all. Luke tells us that this woman was a sinner. A sinner, what does that mean? Well, in this context, it meant that she was a reject, according to the religious people. Why was she a reject? Through the, the story, uh, what we can kind of discern is that apparently she had done something that was shameful. Something in her past that she had done that was shameful, but we really don't get much more than that. Uh, sometimes people reading this story have assumed that the woman was a prostitute. Uh, we actually don't know that. There's no real reason to assume that. Luke, the narrator, he leaves it pretty vague. And I think he does that on purpose because I think in, in the way that Luke tells us this story, he's inviting each of us to see a little of ourselves in this woman. That, that for the purposes of the story, it, it actually doesn't matter that much what she did or, or why she was rejected. Because any of us who have faced rejection, we, we, we can see a little of ourselves in her story. So this woman bursts in to the party, and you can imagine that, that wave of shame. You know, some of us have, have stepped into rooms before where we've felt that, that wave of shame. Uh, people are glaring at her. People are whispering under their breath, How, who's that lady? How'd she get in here? She shouldn't be here, right? It's, it's not unlike Forrest walking down the aisle of the bus. But undeterred, she, she makes her way over to Jesus. And when she gets to Jesus, she engages in this extravagant act of worship that, that also happens to be really, really weird. Like, it's going to sound weird to us today. It definitely was weird at the time as well. Uh, she gets to Jesus, and she falls at his feet, and she just starts sobbing like uncontrollably, what we would call ugly crying, right? You can imagine the, the mascara running down her face. Uh, literally, in the original Greek, Luke says she's raining tears. That's the word he uses. She's raining tears. And the tears are falling on Jesus' feet. And she's down there, and I guess at some point she needs to, like, clean up the, the mess that her tears have made. She doesn't have a towel. She doesn't know what to do, so she takes her hair, and she starts wiping Jesus' feet with her hair, and that's not even the weird part yet. <laughs> then, overcome by emotion in this moment, she, she starts kissing Jesus' feet. And then she takes some oil and she starts pouring the oil over Jesus' feet. And, and the whole time you can imagine these well-to-do Pharisees are like, whoa, uh, what in the world? They're, they're appalled by her behavior, but they're also feeling super validated because they're like this, right? That This is why... People like her don't get invited to stuff like this. This is why she's a reject. She doesn't know how to act. She doesn't know how to behave around people like us. She doesn't fit in. She doesn't belong. And then they start thinking, like, how long is Jesus going to let this go on? This is super awkward. Jesus needs to hurry up and dismiss her and rebuke her and tell her that, that she's not welcome at this party. And they assume, because they were feeling that way, that Jesus is going to feel the same way as well. You know what they say about assuming, right? If you 
have ever felt rejected at church? If someone you love has ever felt rejected at church, you need to pay attention to what happens next in the story. Let me show you this on the slide here. Uh, Verse 44 in the story Jesus uh, turns to the woman, right? So you can kind of picture this. He's, he's looking at the woman, but he's talking to Simon, the host. Jesus turned to the woman, and he says to Simon, do you see this woman? And I think Simon's probably like, uh, yeah, Jesus, we all see her. That, that's the whole problem. Like, we need to get rid of her. We don't want to see her anymore. And Jesus is like, no, 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 Simon, do, do you see her? Like, do you really, really see her? Because here's what I see, Jesus goes on to explain. I see a woman with a beautiful heart. I see a woman with this this deep desire to worship. He he says, "I, I see a woman who, even though she's been rejected by countless people, she's hoping, she is trusting that she's not gonna be rejected by me, that she's not gonna be rejected by God. And so Jesus says, Simon, you, you and your Pharisee buddies, not only do you need to stop rejecting her, not only do you need to start welcoming her, but you guys actually need to learn from this woman. And apparently Jesus was so moved by her that Jesus decides to extend her this very special invitation. As we read on in, in Luke's gospel, that the strong implication is that apparently Jesus decided to invite this woman to come and be one of his very closest disciples. And what we gather is that apparently she she left her old life, she left what she had to go and follow Jesus and and accept that invitation. So what, what does this story mean for us here today? It means, don't miss this, Jesus invites people that other people reject. Jesus welcomes people that other people say are not welcome. Jesus wants people that other people say are unwanted. And so if any of that is you, if any of that has ever been you, I want you to know Jesus is here with open arms today saying, hey, I see you. I see you. And you're invited. You're invited. You are invited. I was thinking this week, what would have motivated this woman to, to come into this house where she knew she was going to face all of this shame? When she stepped into that space, she, she knew she wasn't going to be welcomed there, and yet she does it anyway so that she can get to Jesus. Why? Well, probably because she had heard Jesus preach before, I think. Jesus would preach in public places, so she had probably heard one of Jesus' sermons. And then that got me thinking, well, I wonder what Jesus said that resonated so strongly, that made such an impression on her. I don't know, we have no way of knowing, but, but I wonder if it was something like this from Matthew chapter 11. Let me show you this. In a sermon, here's one of the things Jesus says. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me. You are invited. Come to me. All you who are struggling hard and carrying heavy loads, c- come to me. Come to me. And, and I will give you what? I'll give you shame. I'll give you rejection. I'll tell you you're not welcome. No, no, no. Come to me. And I will give you rest. I wonder how many of us here today are struggling hard. I wonder how many of us are are carrying heavy loads from from all the identities that the world has tried to project upon us, from all the identities 
our insecurities, our fears, our worries, what, what all of those say that we are. I wonder how many of us are, are weighed down here today with, with the scars of, of having been rejected and, and possibly even rejected at church. If any of that is you, Jesus is saying, come to me. Come to me, come to me. You are invited. And, and what I want you to hear today, each and every one of you, is that not only are you invited by Jesus, not only are you invited into the family of God, all that is true and important, but I want you to know, each and every one of you, you are invited to this church family at Kindred Church. As I said before, I know some of you have been told that you don't belong in church because of your sexual orientation or your gender identity. And we want to be as absolutely clear as we can at Kindred Church. You belong at Kindred, all of you. You do. To our LGBT brothers and sisters and siblings, you are invited, all of who you are. We don't just welcome you, love you, we, we affirm you. And for those of you that maybe you're new to church, maybe all this is new, you didn't grow up in church, it's unfamiliar, you feel out of place, I'm here to tell you, you belong at Kindred Church. You are invited. Maybe you're going through one of those seasons of questions and doubts and you're not sure what you believe or maybe you're pretty sure you, you don't believe. I promise you, whatever questions and doubts you have, you're not the only one sitting in this room with those questions and doubts. I promise you, you belong and you are invited. And so what I want to get you thinking about today is what would it look like for you to follow in the footsteps of this woman in the story and to accept that invitation from Jesus and from us? What, what would it look like for you to accept the invitation? Uh, for, for some of you, maybe this is your first time here today, maybe accepting the invitation just simply means that you're going to come back next week to keep learning more. Or maybe others of you, you're, you're ready to say, okay, I'm going to come every week in this sermon series, the next three weeks, so I can keep learning about my God-given identity. For, for others of you, maybe you've been around Kindred Church for, for a while, but you haven't like fully jumped in, maybe accepting the invitation for you means you're going to join a small group this fall. You're going to join a volunteer team and serve with us this fall so that you can get more connected and invest in, and build some relationships in this community. I, I don't know what accepting this invitation looks like for you because we're all in different places, but, but here's what I do know. For all of us, wherever we're at, the first step into the life that God wants for us the first step into this, this abundant life that Jesus tells us he came to give us, it, it's for us to know, it's for us to internalize and to fully embrace that whatever the world says, whatever other people have said, even whatever church people have said, no matter what, you are invited. That's what God says always, period. You are invited, you are invited, you are invited. Let me pray for us. Oh, gracious God, we thank you for this invitation to, to be embraced by you, to be part of your family, to step into the life that you've created us for. God, we need your help with this because for many of us, we, we struggle to believe that it's true. God, we've got so many circumstances and voices in our heads and things in our life that are telling us that it's not true, that we're not good enough, that we don't measure up, that we're not welcome and we're not worthy. Lord, help us to hear your voice through all of that noise. Help us to hear your voice saying, no, 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 that's not who you are. You are invited. God, thank you for this reminder, Lord. Help us each to know what does it mean to accept this invitation, to, to embrace this part of who we truly are. God, keep leading us and guiding us to the abundant life that you created us 
to live. We pray all of this in your name, Jesus. Amen. During this time of reflection,